welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that has to do with the technical, inspirational, and aspirational sides of filmmaking. I'm John. And I'm Mike. And this week, we have a special treat for you. Uh, we are back. We are bad. We are talking about Get Out. Um, yeah. Before we get into that, of course, we're on thenerdparty.com. You can reach out to us at thenerdparty.com slash contact. You can reach out to the network over on Twitter at Join Nerd Party. On Instagram, it's the Nerd Party. On Facebook, it's the Nerd Party. Use the hashtag Great Shot Kid to reach out to us. Let us know you're thinking and talking about us. And we will gladly interact with you. So, with all of that said, Get Out. I finally saw it. I finally got around to seeing Get Out. I'm the guy that took this long to see it. I'm ashamed yeah. of it. I wanted to see it. You had recommended it to me because you know I'm a horror fan. And, uh, and all of that type of stuff. Uh, because we're not going to be talking about like a review of the movie... I'll get it out of the way. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was great. I'm thrilled that it's nominated for Best Picture. And yeah, I think that the lead actor was good enough to warrant a nomination because I imagine the movie without him in it and he is a performance like subtracting Daniel Day-Lewis from There Will Be Blood. It's still a good movie. It's still well done. It's still well written. But it's not the same without him and for me that's the definition of somebody who deserves a nomination for an award if you can imagine this movie is not as good without them they've done something very very special um so and and i thought it was tightly written everything all of the praise that you've heard about i thought that it lived all up to the hype which is rare enough a a happenstance in film but all of that said i have been dying to talk about it with you mike because there are a couple of things about it that were odd insights that I had that I, I just wanted to bounce off of you, okay? For anybody that hasn't seen it, this is full spoiler show. We're not going to dance around it or anything like that. And I'm going to go straight for the ending. Because for me, the ending that is there in the theatrical cut is what makes it a horror movie. Whereas the original ending, have you seen the alternate ending? No, I've heard about ah. it, but I, I haven't watched it. Well, now I'm going to spoil it for you, even to ask That's the question. Fine. Okay. Well, let's just say that the alternate ending, um, when you were watching it in the theater and you saw the cop lights start flashing in the background, what did you think was going to happen to him? I, th I thought the cops were going to arrest him for murder. That's what happened in the original ending. Mm -hmm. uh, they arrested him and he went to prison and the final scene was him in prison after a number of months talking with his friend, the guy who was trying to get the cops to go find him, and uh, basically saying, yeah, I don't belong in here, I didn't do the crime, but I'm okay. And he's at peace with himself because he didn't leave when he hit the woman, right? That, that's his big crucible moment when he's leaving is he hits the woman just like his mom was hit and dies on the side of the road. And instead mm -hmm. he goes back and he says, you know, I overcame it. I, you know, I changed it. And so spiritually he's free even though his body is in prison. Well, they decide to change that. And instead they have the ending, which I maintain, that's a horror movie ending. That's an ending I expect to see in Friday the 13th or Scream or Halloween or what have you. 
But that original ending, I don't think is a horror movie with it. I think it's it's strictly a social drama, <laughs> like to an extent. I don't know, because to me, like seeing the cop car come is one of the scariest things in the entire movie. That is true. You know, that is true. I mean, I think it definitely still qualifies as horror, even if that's, I mean, if anything, it's, it's more horror with that ending because it's bleaker, you know, it's, Mm. he doesn't, he, he doesn't get out. Right. So that's true. No, that's a, that's a good point. It really is like a downer, but yeah, I mean, I thought that that was absolutely terrifying, which, you know, I mean, is one of the things, and they still have that moment in there, which I think is, you know, because you can say like, oh, well, that's offering up, you know, all all sort sorts of, you know, like social commentary, like you're saying, you know, by by having this ending where like he goes through all this stuff and then he's the one who ends up in prison, you know. But you still get that because as soon as you see those lights, mm. you think that's what's going to happen. And, you know, the, the in those, you know, split seconds before you realize that it's his friend, you know, the audience fills in that entire alternate ending, you know, plays it out for themselves. You know, and you don't need to see it on screen because you, mm. you, you do get that. And then you get the more cathartic real ending where he's saved and that i think is brilliant too because for one thing he gets a happy ending as happy as it can be in this <laughs> in this uh, situation but also it's hilarious you know that's like yeah. the funniest thing in the entire movie so <laughs> that's that's true see and and that's the thing that i really have um you know, have to give credit for is knowing the comedy background, you know, that, that, uh, that the director comes from is that character, his friend is so slyly written is so Mm -hmm. pitch perfectly written. I mean, the script for this is stellar and the performances just make it that much better. But the backbone of this thing is unbelievable how well constructed it is and how perfectly paced and spaced the the humor is in it to diffuse things but with that ending you know i i think i think you've persuaded me because that is the scariest moment because you thought arrested i thought he was about to get shot i was like oh oh, yeah. oh this sucks yeah. like i i considered it a lock i was like oh nuts i don't want that to happen and so mm-hmm. yeah i am glad that i didn't get that ending because but i mean what what a social commentary in and of itself that I sat there and I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to get shot. You know, yeah. like, I, whereas how many horror movies have I watched where I'm like, oh, the cops are going to save them. But this one, I'm like, yeah. oh, he's dead. You see you see the flashing lights and, you know, in any other scenario, it's like, oh, the good guys are here. And here you see those flashing lights yeah. and you're like, oh, he's dead. And it's a yeah. surprise when it actually is the good guy, you know, showing up. And yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, it, just hearing you say that, it 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 is, in that way, I think more effective as well because he, by not spelling it out, by not you know showing that you know typical scenario, yeah. and letting the audience fill you know fill that in in their mind, that's just kind of like making the movie's point that this this is such a likely scenario that you know you don't even need to show it and 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 people will just assume that that's what's going to happen yeah. right 
Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I mean, I thought I thought the whole thing. What what's what the mark of a really good thriller film like this is? This is this this is like Hitchcock level. I'm going to enjoy going back and rewatching this and looking for the tells that he buried, mm-hmm. because I know there are tells, and I'm going to enjoy going back and seeing them. And one of the things that I thought was particularly clever was that. I, I what was the fact that this family, all of these people there, viewed what they were doing like as as this abstract sort of thing. Like they didn't they didn't see the very thing that's being commented on there with you know the 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 selection of black people to become basically their servants and their I mean, you know, look what they did to grandma. They take mm-hmm. grandma and they literally make her the maid. And it's yeah. like it's this weird sort of thing where they don't even relate to their grandmother as their grandmother anymore because of her skin and her body. Like it's so wild. Like that's yeah. it, and it's so they don't they're not even aware of it, you know. And Grandpa's the groundskeeper, you know. It's so weird uh, how, how well that works. And and that's and that's the thing about it, which is like. <laughs> You know, I think it was, oh, I forget who it was. It might have been like the guy who directed, oh, it might have been Ryan Johnson, actually, who said that, you know, one of the the kind of like brilliant things about this movie is that like if, you know, Bradley Whitford's character like went to a movie theater to watch Get Out, he would have loved it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's an astute observation. You're absolutely right. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Speaking of Bradley Whitford, there was a thing that I thought of, and maybe I thought of it because I was watching slash wrapping up Star Trek Discovery while uh, uh, you know I watched Get Out, and there are hints in the procedure for the coagula that really made me think of Vok and Ash Tyler from Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. You know, where it's like the two psyches laid on top of each other, mm-hmm. but one is killed in favor of the other's dominance? Yeah, I, I I hadn't thought of that. I mean, I guess I haven't watched Get Out since, uh, you know, since watching Discovery. So um, I, I hadn't really, like, put that together. But, you know, now that you say that, you know, I can definitely see the, you know, similarities there for sure. Do you think that I'm, was I'm, intentional? No, I think it's no. just a coincidence, right? Oh, okay. I mean, no, I'm, I don't. I don't mean as thievery, or or even trying to do it on the sly. But I, I was wondering if you thought maybe they did it as you know an homage, a callback, or something. No, I mean, I, like if you look at like the timeline of like when this came out versus when Discovery, you know, I mean, Discovery was in development for a long time before Get Out was released. Like you know probably a year before right so yeah i i think that that that's just a coincidence more than anything that's just my guess but okay no i mean that that's fair enough i mean and the thing is is i think more and more about the coagula and i'm sitting here saying oh it's not really a horror movie with a different ending i'm like well no that's actually that's pretty hardcore horror and i loved even the little touch that they had that in the surgery room they had candles because Mm -hmm. it was a flashback to me i'd love to find out if this is intentional or not but um, did you ever see uh, Halloween 666, The Curse of Michael Myers? No. Boy, did you miss out. Uh, there is a scene in 
in operating room where they're doing like their dark rituals and there's like these candles set up inside an operating room uh, and everything like that. Now, it, just as a quick note, Halloween 6's producer's cut is actually superior to the theatrical cut. It's very intriguing. It's very weird. Okay. Because it's actually I, you know, called I think, the producer's cut. Because I've seen one, two... Uh, and then I, I skipped over until H two O. Not a and bad then call. I saw the, what the resurrection, right? Ugh, the eighth yeah. one. Uh-huh. And then I saw the two Rob Zombie movies. Yeah. So I've missed three, four, five, and six. I wouldn't so, say missed, Mike. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, th- three sounds fascinating. You know, I, I mean, uh, uh, see, it, it's interesting because the thing is, like. Horror films in general, I think, have been given too much uh, weight, I think almost as a dodge, in all honesty, to forgive their, you know, bloodlust and their gore and stuff like that. They've always tried, not always, but like a lot of horror movies, they tried to go back and say, oh, well, we were making a social commentary. And it's like, I look at Get Out and I'm like, no, this is making a social commentary. Yeah. You guys were not making a social, you know, they're... There's been so much going back and re-examining the horror genre in general. Uh, you know, of course, and I think probably Scream both, uh, you know, epitomizes it and kicks it off of, you know, that sort of like postmodern deconstruction and everything. But like Get Out, what was most fascinating about it to me as a horror fan is I see it as, and we were talking about, um, you know, Quentin Tarantino recently his 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 movies and I'm trying to trying to remember what it oh uh in uh Inglorious Bastards what I said about that I would apply to get out as well is that this is the type of movie that 14 year old John sitting in the movie theater was seeing when he was seeing the schlocky horror movie this is what was in my head and this is what I was walking I was like oh you got to see this but it was you know the little kid saw a movie of that scope and scale and impact. But adult John gets to look at it, look at this and say, yeah, that captures what the kid me thought he was watching. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, it, it definitely, it, you know, I mean, there, there've been a few horror movies in the past few years, which I think have been, you know, absolute standouts. I mean, <laughs> um, th- th- there's a lot, I mean, I know that I, there are a lot of people who, see every single horror movie and they really, you know, sort of like embrace the genre. And I, I've never really done that. I mean, I, I do see a lot of horror movies just because I see a lot of movies, but I've never been someone who's seen like everything and who's fallen in love with everything. I mean, like recently, like The Conjuring, you know, has gotten like a really big following and stuff. And I thought that that was kind of weak, you know, yeah. things like that. It takes a lot for a horror movie to sort of elevate itself to to get out level. I, I think the last movie that really did it was another Bradley Whitford movie, actually, um, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. 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 That oh, movie I thought was amazing. Yeah, no, but, I, I, re- I really liked Cabin in the Woods, except I didn't care for the very ending of it. No? Oh, no. I, th- I thought it was good. I don't, I don't <laughs> like the... I, I don't like the overly bleak thing. You know, I, I like... I, I I don't have any trouble saying I, I like the hero getting away in the end. You know, I, I like the last minute escape. I'm a fan of it. I mean, that's fine. But I think with Cabin in the Woods, 
it's a unique case in a sense where it's sort of all about escalation. So then when the ending occurs, it's like, whoa, you know, I mean, especially for a movie titled Cabin in the Woods, you know, I like I remember it was a big thing back when it came out where people were like, don't watch the trailers, don't do anything, just go see the movie. And like I didn't, like I very intentionally did not watch any of the trailers or whatever. I just went into it completely blind and I was blown away by it because there is so much more to it than the title suggests. And I I think it's brilliant. For those people who haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix right now. So uh, definitely check it out. Well worth the watch. Absolutely. So here's the question then. Like with Get Out, with Cabin in the Woods, those are two sterling examples of what the horror genre can do, even when it's being... Because, you know, when you go postmodern with something, the the material go, gets very much in danger of eating itself, right? And becoming too self-aware. So we have coming up Halloween, the real Halloween 3. They're scrubbing everything clean after Halloween 2. And they're coming back and Carpenter has a hand in it. All of that stuff. I'm almost kind of terrified of what happens with that one. Because do they ruin the wave here do you think that there is a wave that can be ruined with uh with sort of the horror renaissance like does get out help elevate the genre back to what it should be as opposed to what saw turned it into i mean i i guess i i've never really sort of gone into that sort of like the genre is ruined thing because to me, I mean, yeah, certainly there are trends and, you know, there are movies which, you know, are just going to rip off Saw because Saw is really successful or whatever. But, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, Halloween probably has more in common with with Get Out than, than anything. I mean, when you think about it, it's like a critically acclaimed comedic director who's also made a bunch of art house movies coming in to do like a straight up horror movie along with all these original people he's being true to to the source material and everything like that i mean it seems like it's a good fit for this kind of like prestige horror which you know i I think get out and cabin in the woods fall into and you know i mean i i I don't know i mean is it going to be good or bad i don't know i mean i i i think it'll be good you know but if it's not i don't know i I don't know if that really changes anything you know well yeah i mean i mean you know it doesn't kill the genre as a whole but like what i'm hoping what i'm always hoping with a good horror movie what i pinned hopes to with scream even though i had some problems with scream my hope was always oh this is gonna bring it up this is gonna this is gonna make people elevate their game, and with Cabin in the Woods, I was like, oh, this is the one. This is the one that's gonna make them up their game. I'm just hoping Get Out is the one where somebody finally says, yeah, okay, we can do that. And I just like if they're gonna imitate anything, I'd rather have them imitate Get Out than most of the other stuff. That's you know how many possession movies can you have? Uh, you know. And and maybe that's what's happening, you know? I mean, I don't know. I, I think maybe, like, sort of, and this is, I think, probably true for any genre, you know, the ones that stand out as being sort of, like, um, 
the best of of the genre are the ones that sort of operate on the fringes of the genre like yeah. with get out you know having a lot of commentary or, i'm sorry a lot, a lot of comedy and a lot of you know social commentary in it you know that kind of thing whereas you know i mean you you see that in in other things too whether it's you know shape of water you know i mean is that a horror movie i mean kind of you know whatever and you know i mean hey you know we we've been talking about phantom thread and you know is that a romantic comedy? I I think it is. <laughs> you know, we've had issues um, with your definition of comedy as it pertains to Paul Thomas Anderson, though. Okay, but well, let's just keep in mind that the main character of the Phantom Thread is uh, is named uh, Reynolds Woodcock. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Christopher Nolan's kids have started calling him Woodcock when he's being a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty great. You know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's the genres, you know, they meld and they bend and they do weird, crazy things. And that's usually when the good stuff happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, and I definitely hope they never do a sequel to Get Out. That would be awful. Oh, he uh, says he wants to. Really? Yeah. He says he definitely wants to. He really? Says he there's there's a lot more story there and... He he wants to get to it. It's not going to be his next movie, but he does want to do a sequel. But really, I unlike, guess the... unlike Halloween or something like that, you know, this isn't a case of like the studio saying like, "Get out successful, let's make another one." Get out further, you know, whatever. This is you know the guy who created it saying like, "There's more to tell to this story," so I'm going to wow. give him the benefit of the doubt on okay. that one. No, that's fa- okay, fine. Because he yeah. literally can do anything he wants right now. He just yeah. made a Blumhouse movie and got a Best Picture nomination. He can yeah. do whatever he wants. So yeah, that's true. That's true. and you <laughs> got to yeah, Blumhouse has got to be just thrilled, just like yeah. I mean, yeah, Jason what, Blum is an Oscar-nominated producer right now. What you know? a, what a wow! That is a real that really does mess with my head as I think about that. That's that's crazy. But it's I mean, cool crazy because cool, like he's but... he's always been someone who's been like taking chances like that. You know, like yeah. he he you know has backed Shyamalan lately, you know, with like Split, I think. I think he was the producer on Split. Well, thank him for that <laughs> and thank him for this. Okay. And also right. an, another one that he he did just recently which I I have been talking about uh a lot, I know, but I I I do highly highly recommend it. another great horror movie. Um uh, happy death day is that really good it's I mean, look it's not like this is you know as good as get out or whatever it's a lot of fun you know okay it it, it really is it's um yeah it's a lot of fun is it know. what is it is that a pg-13 or is that an r it is a pg-13 okay you know it is okay. actually something which i mean i i don't know your your kids tolerance no, the, the, for whatever the, but you the, know the nine-year-old <laughs> this is what'll mess with your head the nine-year-old would probably do fine the 10-year-old would have nightmares for like three months okay she's yeah she's a delicate yeah. sort she has a very active imagination so yeah it's really were, i mean it's basically it's it's basically the horror version of groundhog day is what it is but it's it's a lot cool. of fun oh, written by so scott labdell by the way the guy who wrote like all of the x-men comics in the 90s oh my gosh yeah Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so that, that's, that's a big endorsement. Yeah. yeah. So I can get behind it's, that. It's better than those X Men comics, though. So. 
All right, so Jordan Peele can do anything he wants, right? Yeah. After this. He has... I, I didn't see Keanu, but it's awesome. I, I, I've heard that it's great. And it, it's another sort of like deconstruction of, you know, it's stereotypes and tropes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he's done this. And, it, and it's like it's like an action movie, essentially, but like a funny one, right? Uh, Keanu? Keanu? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could kind of think of it... I mean, it's... It's more comedy than, than you know, Get Out. But I would say, like, if I were to sort of, like, put it in the same realm as a movie, I would say it's, like, 22 Jump Street kind of, you know. Okay, okay. Just, but, I mean, it's definitely, like, laugh-out-loud hysterical comedy. But the action is also spot-on. Like, it, it doesn't, you know, the action totally works on, on its own. But and, is and the he... cat is really, really cute. So. Oh, well, of course. Cats yeah. are awesome. But is yeah. he... Is he, I mean, I think he's in a, a risky spot right now in terms of critical appreciation and appeal. I think he's in the, in, in the Jackie Brown spot, let's call it, where the first one, everybody's like, hey, I like this. I like what this guy does. The second one, wow, this is fantastic. Best picture nomination, best screenplay, best director... And then there we have, I think we have a potential for a third one that's like a true masterpiece that gets overlooked. Like, I think I think he's very much in that spot where this could go flat for him. How does he keep it from doing that? How does he manage that? Well, they talk about that. I mean, and, and to be fair, like, he didn't direct Keanu. He he co-wrote it with uh, um, Keegan-Michael Key, you know, and, right. and, uh, and then it was directed by uh, Peter Etten... Etanasio, or whatever his okay. name is. So okay. basically, it was the team that did Key and Peel, you know. Okay. So it's kind of, that's kind of like an extension of that. But here, this is like him going off on his own. So so really, this is like his first movie where it's all him. So this is his know. Reservoir Dogs, is what you're saying. Yeah. And, okay. you know, I mean, so we'll see what his next movie is going to be. I mean, it could be great. You know, you never know. But, of course, there is that, that thing, that 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 sophomore slump that, that you see, you know, a lot of times people do. I mean, like, you know, Kevin Smith, I mean, obviously time has kind of altered that, but, you know, he makes clerks, everybody loves it. He gets a lot of money. He can do, you know, kind of whatever he wants. He does mall rats. Everybody hates it. So he goes back to super duper low budget, makes chasing Amy and everybody loves it. And then he, you know, finds his footing. But, you know, I mean, like, I mean, you hear people talk about that all the time. Like uh, in that that Tom Petty documentary, Jimmy Iovine talks about that. You know, in terms of, um, you know, music, you know, bands and stuff like that. Like they spend, you know, five years making their first album. Yeah. It's great. Then they spend five months making their second album. Everybody hates it. And it's the third album where they're like, okay, now I know what I'm doing. And that's when the, the masterpiece is. It's the third one. So even if his next movie sucks, which, you know, who's to say it will? That doesn't well, mean that he's dead, you know? He's in the he's in the Magnolia spot then. Kinda. Well, no, no, because Magnolia is number three as well. All of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies are great, you know? Oh, he's he's about to do he, he he may be about to do pulp fiction, you know? Who knows? Okay. Okay. Or maybe no, Mallrats. <laughs> we'll see. 
I guess I, you know, mall. I liked mall rats. Mall rats is awesome. That's, uh, and it's the last time we had uh, uh, Ben Affleck before he had a personal trainer. So it was more relatable back then. Before he became Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before he became Armageddon. Yes. Yes. That was. Thanks a lot, Bruckheimer. Hey, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's. uh, I, I, I really I really do love Mallrats. I've loved Mallrats since the beginning. You know, I didn't see it in the theater because it was, you know, only out for like two weeks and I, I wasn't old enough. But I rented it from Blockbuster on the very first day and watched it three times before returning it and been in love with it ever since. So. Yeah, I did have the good fortune of seeing that in the theater. So Really? So it yeah. was like you and like one other person? My pal Joey. Who back then that if I was going to a movie, Joey and me, we were sitting in seats next to each other. It was a hundred percent of the time. Like I, I struggle to think of a, a movie between about nineteen ninety one forward where Joey was not there or at the very least seeing it in another theater on the same night. Yeah. Uh, or like as what happened with uh, Star Trek Generations. <laughs> he he saw the showing that had started like an hour before. No, I saw the showing that started an hour before I got out. I was still hanging out with mutual friends. And then he walked out. And I was like, hey, what did you think? And he was like, "I that, that kind of sucked. I was like, what are you talking about? I really liked it. And he's like, that wasn't very good. Like, he was a pariah uh, back then when he didn't like Generations. So, a prophet, some might say. But, um, no. You know, I got I no like problem generations, generations myself, but whatever. Gener- you know, I was just taking a cheap shot. I like generations well enough too, um, except for the data thing. That's just a nightmare. Oh, but um, oh. no, no. Like the life forms and mm. the life form mm. song. Oh. People going to give me hell for liking Jar Jar, and then they're going to like that. No, that's no. well, that's a cute, you know, one line, you know, joke. Not like a whole character. Really. You don't think that Data's character kind of went down that pathway for quite a bit in Generations? There there was like two scenes where he's like trying to be funny and then there's, you know, the life form scene and then the scene when the ship is crashing, mm-hmm. which got a big laugh just because, you know, mm-hmm. he couldn't say the S word on, you know, syndicated television back then. I but, think that, that was the barrier with Generations was that was the first like real curse word they ever used in Star Trek, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess. Always, I mean, there always... were a few colorful metaphors in Star Trek Four, but they were all, you know, TV friendly. Yeah, dumbass. Please, anybody yeah. can say that. We can say that on the Nerd Party Network, which is a place where you can see many terrific shows. <laughs> see here, you can hear them. You can look at their cover art while you uh, listen to them. So, did you hear that uh, the Sci Fi Channel is gonna start letting people use the F word now? Yeah. Which is weird because it's like, well, what would they do on Battlestar Galactica now then? They probably would just use the F word, right? Or would they keep on using frack? I would hope they would keep using frack. I think well, I mean, at this point, I think they'd keep using it. But like, would they, like, if it were created today, you know? I, I would rather they use frack. I yeah. honestly do. I, I, it's the South Park principle. When South Park finally got a movie, it wasn't as funny as the show because all limits were removed and you take away some of the creative impulse because. South Park spent a lot of time and energy finding creative ways to say those things without saying them. And they created some really funny situations out of it. And then when they went, you know, bigger, longer, and uncut, 
they just went off the rails. Like they had no no restraint whatsoever. I don't. No, I, I'm not a fan. I I really am not. I mean, like I get that they they're trying to compete with, uh, you know, with, with Netflix and everything. But in all honesty, then what? I mean, if I were running the network, I'd say fine. Use the f word like on the app or whatever. Because there's some modicum of control there because, like, a six-year-old isn't going to be able to, you know, own their phone. Or, you know, you're buying it for them and any responsible parent, I think, would know what's on the kid's phone and have restrictions turned on. But, hey. Um, but, like, on broadcast, I don't know. I'm not I'm not comfortable with it. I know. I'm, I'm old school like that. I don't know. Okay. All right. I'm just uh-huh. not a fan, man. Not a fan. <laughs> You know? I'm, I, I, I don't give enough. <laughs> <laughs> you don't give a care. Uh, but what you do care about, it, once again, is the Nerd Party Network, which is the home to many shows, including uh, we have a, a Doctor Who show now. We have Aggressive Negotiations. We have uh, Nerd Nuptial. We have Filibuster. We have uh, Missing Frames. You name it, we got, we got just about everything uh, to cater to you. But um, I, I've had a blast talking about Get Out. I think that this is one of those rare instances where, you know, a movie has lived up to the hype that was delivered, you know, before I saw it. Um, so I loved it. I know you loved it. I've had a lot of fun talking about it. If people want to talk to you about Get Out, where can they find you online? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. Yeah. And you can uh, find me, Castle Junkie, and here on the network, uh, I'm on Aggressive Negotiations. And uh, and fiddling around with my pal Craig on Words with Nerds. So with all of that said, thank you for joining us on Great Shot Kid. And we will see you next time. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.